Uh, there was a lot of work to do and a lot of things that needed to get done. Welcome to the House Flipping HQ podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of wholesaling and house flipping businesses. The systems and automation that we discuss will help you build a real business instead of another job for yourself. From beginners to those doing hundreds of houses a year, we go deep into the details and strategies that are working today. And now your host, Bill Allen. Hey, everybody. I just got off the recording this podcast with Nate Johnson, my COO, and we went almost two hours. So um, I know you're tuning into this uh, podcast, but I had to cut it in half. So I clipped it in half. Um, so the first half, what I wanted to do was um, basically clipped it so that some of the newer investors and the people that are getting going, I think there's a lot of great content in there for them and how we met and how we, what Nate was doing when he was getting started and some of the struggles he was running into trying to start up his own business and kind of how we got together and how he became the CEO of my company, Blackjack Real Estate. And then what I did was uh, we'll, do, we'll do it as two different podcasts. So the second half will be um, more of, hey, once he got hired, how he did this implementation and what we started doing, what we started seeing inside the company and, and how we kind of grew the company and made an extra million dollars with our team and some of the stuff that we'll talk about at Flip Hacking Live. So um, stay tuned. This is going to be the first half of the podcast with Nate Johnson, my COO. And in a couple of days, we'll release the second half so you can hear um, the rest of our interview. So each one is about an hour long and there's some incredible content in both halves. And I'm excited. This was a really incredible interview. And it was fun for me because I got to hear a little bit more about his story and hear about some of the things that he was thinking and him and his wife were talking about when we were talking about uh, hiring him. Uh, so some new stuff for me I had never heard before too. So it was a lot of fun and I hope you enjoy. I know you're going to get a ton of value out of uh, both of these sessions. So uh, without further ado, uh, here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the House of HQ podcast. This is Bill Allen. And today I have a uh, great guest with you. Actually, my COO of Blackjack Real Estate, Nate Johnson. What's up, Nate? Hey, Bill. What's going on? Not much. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So if you're, uh, if you're on the video, if you're watching this on video, then you can see um, my background and Nate's background kind of whenever we're on a call, we get on a call once a week for a couple hours to talk about the business. And now you're in our offices. So like everybody always t says to me, Hey, can I fly down to Nashville and kind of see where you guys uh, work and your office and all the staff working and everything. And I tell them all the time, uh, you can fly down here, but you're going to be sitting on the couch in my living room and we're going to be hanging out. <laughs> so this is how we do our business. Uh, this is, you know, Nate's office right there at his house and my office at my house. So uh, you're now inside the company with the CEO and COO uh, of the company having a chat. So uh, pretty cool if you're on the video. If not, you can, uh, you can check out the video on YouTube or our website at housekeepinghq.com. So, um, so Nate, welcome, man. This is the first time that we brought somebody... Uh, from the team on the podcast and I just got done kind of uh, recording some of uh, the, the board of directors and now what I want to do is kind of go through some of the team members and talk to some of you guys so I figured who better to bring on than the CEO of the company so welcome thanks man okay so let's uh, the, I'd say the number one question that we get all the time uh, so for you guys who are listening for the first time to give you a background um, I own a, a real estate investment company it's a uh, flipping and wholesaling company. We're about 80% wholesale, 20% flips. Uh, we do about 200 deals the past couple years. So the past two, two years, we've done just under 200 deals. We're probably on pace to do something like that this year. And um, I was 
uh, built that company as just me and then kind of started hiring some people and making transitions going into different markets. We're currently in three markets. Um, we'll do close to $3 million this year in gross profit and, um, and about 200 deals. So about a year and a half ago, I brought on a COO who was Nate and I wanted to really kind of remove myself from the business. I was doing more of the work for House of HQ. I was uh, going all, to all these meetings. I was uh, being a mentor for a lot of the people in the group and helping them with their business. And I realized that I wasn't paying enough attention to my business. So it wasn't going to grow. It wasn't going to hit the numbers that everybody in the company and myself wanted to hit. So I knew that I needed some help. And to really remove myself from the business, the first place to look was, you know, hire somebody like a COO to come in and, and help me with that. So I'd say... Um, now at the point that we're at now as a company, the number one question that I get other than can I come to your office and, uh, hang out on your couch is, um, you know, how did you meet Nate? How did you guys get together? What did that look like? So why don't you take a little bit of time, Nate, and just kind of tell the story from, I tell the story a lot from my angle. So I'd love to hear it from you kind of how we met and what that process was like and what you were doing before this. Yeah, so um, I guess I'd kind of gotten myself interested in real estate investment uh, probably about three or four years before you and I met, but just started doing the whole thing. I think a lot of people are doing just like they're, they're sitting right now in their car on the, their phone listening to this podcast, just started trying to gather as much information as possible about real estate investing and, you know, watching, watching videos online and, and listening to other things um, around investing. And um, it kind of led me to, I think the first time I heard you on a podcast was the Bigger Pockets podcast. And I think that I remember specifically you had just been gotten started. I think you just hired your first employee. And I, I don't re remember exactly what it was, but I remember you talking about military and kind of also having a full-time job because that was what was my situation at the time was I was still working full-time for a Fortune 50 company. Um, and I used to be in security and loss prevention industry. So I was doing that grinding away and I was just, you know, had this, this vision of, being able to create something else and do something more on my own terms. Um, and real estate was kind of what seemed to, to, to match that for me. So I was really pushing and kind of trying to absorb as much information as possible. And um, I ended up actually ironically having to take over the construction of my own home, which kind of pulled me away from my educational process for about a year. And what was funny was that as soon as I jumped back on and started kind of downloading up some more information, um, I listened to Danny Johnson, Dan Johnson's podcast and you were on there and it was like, I was like, man, I remember this guy. And, um, the story that you were telling obviously was, uh, I think James was, had just been born or was getting ready to be born. And you were talking about having to have to move to, to Nashville. And, um, of course I live up a uh, Northern part of Nashville. And, uh, I was like, man, I need to reach out to that guy and, uh, just see if I can take him to lunch. So I think that I was probably, I was, I actually remember sending you the first message. I was in, I was in Mississippi in a hotel room working for another company, um, traveling all the time. And, um, I reached out to you and I was trying, I think I, we probably, we probably exchanged messages, I don't know, four or five times. I pretty much stalked you until you agreed to let me take you to lunch. Um, and then, uh, you know, we, we, ate, we ate lunch down there in Franklin. I, and I think I just had told you, Hey, I've got, I've got this amount of money saved up. This is what I want to do you know, knowing what you knew at the time and kind of what I needed to get done, what was your recommendation? And, um, you know, you had told me a couple different things and I think it took me maybe three or four days to, to do those things that you had asked me to do. Um, and then I came back to you again and was like, Hey, I got those done. What next? And then that kind of like started our discussion. Um, but that's kind of how we met. I, I mean, I don't know how far you want me to go into the story of hiring me as a COO, but that was our initial meeting. Let me jump in there because, um, so I, I, I didn't, 
some of that stuff is kind of uh, interesting. I didn't realize that you, uh, I knew that you were working on your house and the contractor kind of screwed you over and you had to take over the project on the house that you're living in right now, which is beautiful, by the way. I've been over there. It's, it's incredible um, what was done there. So hearing that story, um, I didn't realize that you took a year off and then like right when you got back in, it was like, boom, there this guy is again. So, um, so okay. So I remember you reaching out to me and normally I'm, I, I, at that time when you did, I was really working on saying the word no. So I have trouble saying no. I have trouble when people reach out to me, just just ignoring them or not being able to respond and things like that. And uh, for those of you listening, this is not like an open invitation to send me like as many emails as you can. But I, what I do find is I was really working on that as myself. And what, if you guys are listening, you got to learn how to say no. If you just say yes all the time and you're just going to you know, do all of these different things and not have focus, that's the time in my life where I was really needing to be focused. And I remember just going, I don't know, for some reason, I don't know if it was like the restaurant that you picked or what it was. I was just like, or your approach or uh, you're, you know, hitting me multiple times. I basically said, okay, I'll go to lunch with this guy, which was a, a, a no to everybody else before. So it was really, whether it was timing or how your approach or what it was, but um, it's just interesting to hear that story and realize that it's funny the way everything turned out. Like when we look back that I did say yes to that appointment when um, I probably said no to dozens of other ones. So um, yeah, I, I think if I remember correctly, the first couple messages I sent were kind of just, you know, they were kind of vanilla, like, hey, let, hey man, I want to get into real estate investing. I'd like to take you to lunch. But as as the couple, as they started to progress, I think I started to give you a little bit more specifics about what I had in mind, about what I, you know, I think we, were, we started talking about a potential market. I was telling you, hey, I, I like this market because of X, Y, and Z. So, and then maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. But um, I, it, it wasn't like... Um, um, I think that there was a, there was a, a little bit of rapport development that went on through the month or two that we were kind of exchanging back and forth before you actually agreed to let me take you to lunch. Yeah. So are you okay? Are you okay talking about the company that you're working before and what your job looked like before, like what you were doing? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So who were you working with before this? And kind of like, I think there's a lot of people that are in your shoes right now who are working a full-time job and probably have a really good job like you did and are thinking, Hey, maybe real estate is like my path to financial freedom and, and success down the road and what that looked like. And then, you know, just let's talk about right now, kind of what your job was, what you were doing before, and then why you were looking a little bit at real estate, which, you know, why you didn't see your job as the pathway to where you wanted to go. Yeah. So, um, my kind of career development started um, with law enforcement originally. I was a police officer for almost six years, and then I got into uh, corporate security and loss prevention. So basically, I would go into different companies and kind of assess their current state of how secure their physical security was, whether it be cameras, access control, guard services, um, policies and procedures around inventory control, that kind of stuff. Um, and it kind of led me to different, different, uh, different companies. Um, of different sizes, which I think has actually been very helpful for me now. Uh, from there was a startup company I worked for called Guilt uh, Guilt Group. They done e-commerce sales, uh, kind of high-end fashion and retail. Um, it was really really cool company. They were based out of Manhattan, so I got to travel a lot with that company and kind of understand the mentality of a of a, of a kind of up-and-coming company. I worked a little bit for an entertainment distribution company that basically um, they um, distributed CDs, games, and books. So um, a lot of um, a lot of pilferage in those types of items, a lot of theft in those types of items. So had to really get into a underperforming, um, underperforming area and sort of really start to put in programs that impacted the loss prevention uh, for there. So, um, and then 
kind of led me around and my wife is from is from an area outside of Nashville. So we were really trying to get back down to the Nashville area just so she could be closer to her family. And I was fortunate enough to get a position with uh, Nissan North America. So they're based out of Franklin, Tennessee. Um, and it's, you know, there's a car manufacturing plant here in Tennessee. Their, their headquarters is here. So um, came in and um, it was the first time that they had ever, um, and that was kind of something that was unique to my story as well is every job that I had, um, I was coming into um, a company that had never had an asset protection or loss prevention program in place. So I kind of developed a, a reputation, on my, especially with my resume, of being the guy that could come in, assess current state, implement a process, program, procedure, hire a team, and kind of start to get the thing going. So I had did that twice before, um, and I remember my in my interview with 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 uh, Nissan, they were asking me kind of what that experience looked like, and um, and I think that was really the the leg up that I had had to get that job because it was a it was there was a it was a pretty competitive position to get, and um, you know I was very fortunate to to, to land that position. So. Um, I came in and um, there was a lot of opportunity there. Um, a lot of people, um, you assume that a, a larger organization like that would probably have all kinds of crazy programs and procedures to do these things. And this was one area that they, they were kind of lacking on. So uh, there was a lot of work to do and a lot of things that needed to get done. But we were able to come in and kind of implement some, implement some policies and some procedures and different programs that really started to kind of control the loss a little bit better, um, both from a, a detection and prevention standpoint. And ultimately, um, I was with Nissan for almost four years, and um, it took me about two years to get in front of the right people to get some of the things implemented that I wanted to get implemented. But right when I left, uh, we I think we had implemented some programs that saved around $37 million, uh, right when I left. And those, those programs um, are still ongoing today that I think are they're continuing to save the company money. So um, some, some little small success there uh, in that. But I think really, you know, whether it's whether it's real estate or whether it's security or whether it's, you know, sales, um, it's really about just finding current state, assessing what needs to be done, implementing a process and just kind of holding people accountable to doing that. So that was kind of my background coming into it. And um, from a real estate standpoint and kind of what, what drew me to that was um, I'd worked for a smaller company before uh, with Gilt. Um, I think the company at the time only had uh, like maybe 1200 people. Um, at the time, um, and when I had been there for almost four years, so it started, I think there was like 600 people when I started. So it was kind of a larger company in terms of a startup, but it was still in the, the, the evolutionary phases. Um, and then with Nissan, you're talking about 100,000, 150,000 people in that company. So I got a little bit of taste of both worlds, you know, um, you know, making a decision in a large fortune 50 company like that usually takes six to seven months to get the approvals and the, all of this kind of stuff. Where now with me, you and me with, you know, 12 people in the company, we can, we make a decision in six minutes. Let it used to take six months. So uh, it was cool to kind of understand the dynamic of that kind of thing. But um, what kind of drew me to real estate was just the ability to kind of be my own boss. Um, 100% of my effort I was going to get in return. Uh, and, you know, and that, that was one of the things that um, I, I, I had a great team. Um, every company I've worked for, I've had, I've had a great team that I've worked with and my, my supervisors and bosses have all been great. I've never had an issue with anything like that. But it was just like at the end of the year, you would, you would put your heart and soul into, you know, working 40, 50 hours a week, getting everything going, making a huge financial impact, either whether it be, you know, savings or, or sales or whatever. And then at the end of the day, it just not feeling like you were being made whole by the impact you were being making to the business. Um, and I knew that there was, there was more out there. Um, and I knew that I could be, um, in my own, my own vision for kind of what I wanted to bring to the table and 
kind of my story. I, I knew that I could make a larger impact um, and if I, if I had the opportunity. So uh, once I started learning more about real estate investment and some of the things, I was like, man, I can, I can do this. So that's when I kind of started trying to build my own thing. And then that's when I reached out to you. Um, but yeah. Okay. Let me, let me jump in. So, so I feel the same way. I feel like uh, with the military, it was the same thing. I would work and work and work. And if I worked harder or I was, you know, head and shoulders above the crowd, it was, you can go online and look up what my paycheck is. There was no real, and my uh, promotions wouldn't be any, maybe I'd get promoted a little bit earlier than other people who were just kind of skating by or uh, doing the minimum or those kind of things. But, um, and look, the military, I, in my opinion, I don't, not dog the military, it's the best of the best. We have some phenomenal people there. So when I say skating by, it's just the difference between like a, a tight, a, an A player, like an A plus player and like an A minus player. But what I found was the harder I worked, the more jobs that I got, the more responsibility I got, the more they piled on me, but there was no benefit in return. Other, and even the more I did and the, the better I got, the, cho the choice of the duty stations were even a little bit worse. It was kind of like you go down this path that they want for you in your career, the kind of the path, right? And I bet corporate America is very similar. You're kind of, you do more, you do a lot better. Now it's the executive vice president, then the vice president. You're start constantly moving up and it's probably more travel, more responsibility, more people. But I mean, occasionally you get more pay with a lot of that stuff, but you don't see, I mean, you're saving, you know, tens of millions of dollars for a company. It, you just look at it and go, man, it, you know, do they appreciate this? Do I, am I really appreciated? So, um, so I want to, I want to just kind of, uh, so work with Nissan for four years. Uh, and then you've got, uh, I'm just going to park this here. You had like two cars, two Nissan cars for you and your wife, right? Uh, 401k matching, um, medical benefits, all of that stuff. Well-paying job, the possibility to move up to some of those other positions of uh, kind of what's next and what you're going to make and things like that. When we started having these conversations and you started thinking about actually jumping off that bus. So I just want to park that there because I know we're going to come back to it um, as we kind of fast forward now. So, um, so we met at, for lunch and then what? So I, I, I remember at that lunch, actually, I said, Hey, I'm sorry, but you know, I, I work for this other company. I'm one of the kind of coaches and mentors of house of HQ and this is what we have. So go buy this program, like go buy house Living formula and do all the things that we tell you to do and get going. And I, you can talk to me in there. Like you're not going to be emailing me and, and messaging me and I'm not going to give you one-on-one -on -one coaching or anything like that. Um, because frankly, that's, it's not the kind of guy that I am, right? I'm not going to go work for another company and also do something on the side. That's what I do. That's at that time, that was my job, you know, my other job. So, so you, and then you did it. You're like, okay, done. Like I'll buy it. And you bought it and you started kind of working it. You started sending out some cards. You started going on appointments. You started doing all the things that we tell people to do. So yep. from, from where I was sitting at that time, when you came back to me the next time, it was obvious that you weren't somebody who's just going to go buy lunch, talk about it, not take action, not do all those things, but you were actually doing them. So you got kind of this seat at the table and you earned it by doing, the, I, I gave you like four things to do at that lunch. And I, and I basically said, I'm never going to see this guy again. Like he's going <laughs> to, he's going to go say, oh, it doesn't work. I'm going to quit all mm -hmm. the things that I hear all the time from the noise outside of our programs and our groups and the people who think this is really easy and everything's, uh, it's a guarantee, you know, I'm just going to send a couple cards and make 10, $20,000 the next day. And you were out there doing it. And so the next time you came to me was kind of like an email saying, Hey, um, can you take a look at my card? Like, um, this is the response rate I'm getting some of this stuff. And then I answered that. So yeah. from my angle, that's what I saw. Like I saw, yeah. we had that lunch 
And I said, go spend this money, go join this group, go do these things. And it was like, boom, 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 done, 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 which is really impressive because I saw myself in a lot of that. When I, somebody told me to do something, when I joined seven figure flipping, I just did it. I was like, okay, yeah. done. what's next? Like what's next? What's next? And constantly the next step and taking action. So it was really big for me. So, um, so let's see, let's fast forward a little bit. We did that. You started taking action. You were doing some mailing here in Nashville and the surrounding areas while you were uh, working your full-time job. And by the way, you're also married and have a daughter right at home and you're driving an hour, hour and a half in traffic to and from work at Nissan from your house up uh, north of Nashville. Uh, the traffic here is kind of miserable in the mornings and afternoons and you're also doing all this other stuff. So again, I rewind back to my story. I feel like it's exactly what I did. Two hours before work, two hours after work, put in the time, um, you know, sp tell my family that, hey, this is what I want to do. This is why I want to do it. So, so what then? You're going on these appointments. You're, um, you're trying to get deals. What, what after that? Like, what's the next step for you? Yeah. And so I, I remember strategically thinking about like, how do I work doing some real estate investment on the side into my full-time job and also having time to be present as a father and husband and so I, I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mail strategically to these two locations so I can start my day in the morning and maybe run some appointments before I go to work up, up in the city where I live. And then I could run some appointments in the evening when I get off work down on the other. So as the phone started ringing, I was making sure that I was scheduling appointments morning time up where my hometown was and evening time, you know, down there where I was working. So I try to kind of parlay that into a little bit, but, um, and then, you know, the thing that, you know, I, I I despised the commute at the time, but what was funny about it was it gave me like a dedicated time every single day to kind of like listen and learn and grow and absorb content. So even though I was in the car driving, I was able to listen to podcasts and listen to books on tape or listen to Audible rather. Um, and uh, it really gave me an opportunity to kind of, you know, kind of, I think, absorb more knowledge than I otherwise would have if I didn't have that commute. Um, so it was a unique opportunity in that sense. But so I think it was, um, I had already started trying to get things going uh, before me and you actually started talking, but like once, once you had said, Hey, go, go, go jump in the house flipping uh, formula, take a look at the content. It just seemed to gel. A lot of the things that I would think I was spinning my wheels in, it just made sense. And I, I had heard you say uh, numerous times before that I just did what these guys did. There's no, there's no point in reinventing the wheel. It's already been a proven process. Just do what they did and it'll work. Um, and I did, and it did work. And I, you know, I went on, I was getting a lot of appointments. I was getting a lot of stuff. And, and I think right about the time that, um, the phone was ringing constantly, uh, almost too much for me to handle. I had hired a, a phone answering service and then I had reached out to you about potentially partnering up in, in Clarksville, Tennessee, which is an area that's kind of Northwest of where we both live, but it had a military base. There was a college there. There was a lot of things that I think, uh, from a, from a real estate investor standpoint, I thought were attractive. So I'd reached out to you and said, Hey, can we, uh, can we talk about maybe doing a joint venture or something with something? Like it? Cause what I was trying to do, uh, you know, a little bit behind the curtain here was get more access to you. Uh, and I would say, okay, if we're partnering up, he's going to be a little bit more apt to work with me on some other things. And I'm, I'm going to be able to add value to this relationship because I'm going to be the one doing all the work and he's just going to be kind of calling the shots and telling me where to go and what to do. And I thought it was going to be you know, a really good opportunity to learn directly from you. And you, and also not feel like you were just having to tell me all of these things to do. Right. So you're, you're you were going to get some return out of your time investment into me. So we actually talked a little bit of back and forth about doing something like that. And I remember it, it was like a, it's like a Tuesday morning or something like that. You're like, Hey, come down, come down here and meet me. So I had, I had, um, 
I took I took a break from work um, and, and came down to your down, down to where you live, and we I think we met at a Waffle House, if I'm not mistaken. We did, yeah. And uh, I remember you walking in, and you had a uh, like a big roll of uh, printer paper, and uh, you had uh, you had all of these notes written on it. And I was like, man, is that is that what you're using to keep notes? And you were like, yeah. <laughs> so you're like, I got to feel like 50 pages a week in notes. And I was like, man. So uh, I could tell you had a lot going on, but it was like it was at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday, and you were kind of doing your own thing. And I was like. Man, that that just you were calling, you know, you were kind of your own you're doing your own thing your own boss and I was like that's that's awesome so um, we talked at the time and we were talking more about the partnering up and going into a market together was with the conversation but as the conversation came to an end you go you don't know anybody that would want to be a COO for my company do you and I was like no I don't I don't know anybody because yeah, at the time I was just like focused on like building this thing doing this thing on my own and. Um, we kind of departed, parted the ways and whatever. And uh, I went back and got worked the rest of the day. And I remember driving home that night and I was like, man, um, I could do that. I, I know that I could do that. I have no doubt that I could do that. And I don't know at the time if you were, if you were trying to plant that seed because you thought that I might be interested or if it just kind of was a, like a thing you were saying, but um, it was, it, it was about, it didn't hit me at the moment when you said it, that like, that was something that I would even be interested in. Um, but it's kind of one of those things where, um, people say, you know, like opportunity is everywhere. If you just got to be able to look for it and actually see it when it comes about. And, uh, that, that was like, I don't know why when I, as I was driving home that evening, it was something that just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, you know, you idiot, this guy's asking you to come on and, and, and kind of run his company for him. Um, and so I got to thinking about that and I thought, you know, I could sit over here and continue to grind and, and, and turn and do my own thing. No, I'm, no doubt that I'll, I would be successful doing it. I, I know I could have built that out, but the speed of implementation and the synergy of joining teams with you and how far we can go and the time it was going to take to get there. I thought, you know, there's a lot of value in that because um, I think that the sum of our two parts, we're going to go farther than either one of us individually. Um, and I still feel that way today. But when people ask me all the time, like, well, if you were doing your own thing, why, why, why would you go work for somebody else? Um, but that was the mindset. Now the decision hadn't been made by at the time for you to hire me or for me to, for me to join you. But that's what I was playing through in my mind. And I was thinking about the situation. I was like, it makes a lot of sense for this to possibly be. So I said, I think I emailed you the next day and said, Hey, I don't, I don't know anybody that is, is interested, but I, but I, am. you know, um, and then the conversation kind of developed. So. Yeah. I, so I remember that meeting. I, it was about, it was probably like two years ago. So I can't say I remember exactly what we talked about or what was said. I remember breaking down, like I analyzed that Clarksville market. And in fact, I had been living here for probably about a year and a half at that point and still had not started investing in Nashville. I, that, when I moved here, we went to Chattanooga and I didn't come to Nashville, in fact, because we had a seven figure member that was here in the city and I just didn't feel comfortable when we were doing a lot of work together, asking me questions and analyzing the market and, and helping, I didn't feel comfortable coming into this market with, uh, with them still in the group and me doing some more kind of one-on-one -on -one stuff with them. So, I, and, and on top of that, additionally, I knew that it was really competitive here and expensive and I, I would need to build up a war chest to start competing at the level of competition that we have here, which uh, in, in the way that I do, right? I don't have a lot of time, so I need to do more of the 
uh, bigger equity type nets, the, the more spending money to get deals than it is doing more of the small niche stuff that I recommend a lot of people that don't have a lot of money to do. So, so that was kind of the reason we hadn't gone to Nashville yet. And when we analyzed kind of Clarksville, I asked this other member, Hey, are you up there? Is that an area that you're targeting? The answer was no. So, and then, um, uh, ultimately when, um, when they had kind of moved to another market, I felt a lot more comfortable going into Nashville at that time, which we did. So, um, so I remember that. And I say that a lot. I don't know if that's what I was doing or not, but I, anytime I talk to money lenders, it's kind of, um, Hey, what, do you know somebody who might be interested in a deal like that? And really I'm saying, are you interested in a deal like that? Um, without asking right. them directly. Right. So it may have been something that I was doing. I definitely saw all the things that you're talking about. I mean, we had a lot in common. I saw the hard work. I saw the integrity piece. I saw the personal and professional development, the stewardship the you know, all of my core values were evident in you. It was obvious. Like you were the kind of guy that I wanted to work with. So, um, it was very easy when we started having those conversations and I saw what you wanted to do. And a lot of times I feel like, look, I've already got this machine that's up and running, right? Like we, like you said, are some, some of these two parts is stronger. I said, how long do you think it could take you? Do you plan on working? I remember six, and it was probably the meeting at my house, but it was more of, do you plan on working a full-time job while you do this? Or do you, right. like, what, how long do you think it's going to take to get you there? Um, what's really bothering you about what you're doing right now? What do you want to have? Could you have this tomorrow if you said yes to this job? And I know we'll talk about that. Um, so let's fast forward. We were at that, we kind of at that meeting, then you said, Hey, I'm interested. And then I remember the next conversation being more of the, well, you know, figure out what you want to make, what that looks like, what it could look like, what you're making now, come down and meet me at my house one day and we'll sit down and, and kind of talk about it. Was that the next thing that we did? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think prior to even that discussion you know, the, for, for me on, on my side of the discussion was once you were like, okay, let's, let's actually, you know, move this discussion forward. Um, there were a lot of things that I started thinking about, you know, and then even had went to my wife and had a conversation with her. And uh, so my wife, my, my wife knows, and you know, so that how can I, I'll come up with these ideas and I, I might not tell her about them like right away. It's something that I might be working on or thinking about for a while. But once I see that, okay, there, this is, there's something here and I'm going to move on it. Like I'll tell her and then just do it. And so it seems kind of off the cuff for her. Um, but it's, uh, I come to her and I'm like, Hey, there's this guy I met on the online. I'm, I'm probably going to leave my job uh, working for a fortune 50 company. And we've got health insurance and uh, 401k and two vehicles. And I think I'm just going to leave my job maybe and possibly go work for him. But I don't know. I'm going to go talk to him tomorrow. We're going to see how it's going to, what's going to happen. And she was like, what? <laughs> That's uh, uh, we need to talk about that. And um, so anyway, yeah. So I think that um, I said, well, I don't know a whole lot about just yet what it's going to be, but um, I'm, I'll let you know a little bit more tomorrow once I have a conversation with, with Bill. So um that was kind of how that, inter that that situation got introduced to her. Cause I, cause man, I was super excited about it. Right. I was like, I saw, I saw what this cause could, could become and what it is becoming now. But, uh, at that point in time, um, and, um, I, I think I just knew that there was a, um, I knew that there was something there. Um, and so I was excited. Those are people that know, know me when I get excited. Um, it's, it's, I can't, I can't hide it very well. Like it's, uh, I, I talk fast. It's like, bang, 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 bang. And she was like, well, I can tell that like, this is something you want to do, but you know, maybe we should, you know, like pump the brakes a little bit. And I was like, no, nah, we gotta go, you know, gotta go. So anyway, so anyway, the next, the next day we, you and I, Hey, I think, before, before you go on. Uh, so on my side of the same coin or, you know, I'm thinking about 
okay, this is a big step for me to hire this COO. So am I ready for this? Like, can the business afford it? So if you're a business owner, you're saying, man, I wish I had somebody that kind of could run my company all the time. I'm sitting here going, uh, for me before that meeting was, let me analyze what we've done, what we're going to do, where I think we're going to go. And then can I, you know, what can I afford to pay a COO that comes in? What does that look like? What does the structure even look like? So, you know, I reached out to some, to Andy, frankly, he was the only person that I knew that had a COO in his business and talked to him. And we talked for a while about kind of what does a COO look like? What does he do? And all these, and my company was probably three times the size of Andy's company when he hired his COO. So some of what we talked about, it gave me, uh, it gave me some comfort in the fact that he hired one way before me, as far as like gross profit and the size of the business and how many people they had. Um, but it also kind of, I was still scared. Like I was saying, you know, hey, can I, can I afford this? Am I still going to make money? Is the company going to make money? What's it going to look like? And I, I really did feel like we were kind of forging this new path because it's, it was very different than how Andy did it. I mean, Andy was making like $500,000 a year in gross profit when he hired Jason and their, their relationship and what they did together was way different than what I was planning on doing. So I feel like we, you know, I was kind of going down this road almost alone with some help. Fortunately, I had that like, what do you pay him? What does it look like? All of these things. But what Andy's company looks like today and the structure is way different than how they set it up in the beginning. And, and obviously, ultimately, way different than we ended up setting up our pay structure and, uh, and what it looked like and everything. And so I was thankful to have that. But I also felt like, oh, man, I'm, I'm kind of um, being the first one to jump into this to hire this person inside the group other than Andy who had done it a few years ago. So um, that's kind of the back of my mind and going, okay, I have this whole plan. He's going to come meet me. We're going to talk about it. And it's, and, and I don't really know this guy that well either. You know, I met you a couple of times and, but you're the kind of person that I want to have on the team, but can you do it? I, I don't really know. And to be perfectly right. honest, even after we met, I didn't really know either. So sure. Uh, sure. it's kind of like, here's your resume. And I don't, what is this stuff? Like, Right. You know, I saw a lot of the, the service in the background, the hardworking, the personal professional development, everything that I said to go do, you did. It was very obvious that you're like the kind of hard worker. So, so then we met at my house and we're both kind of like, you know, your wife is like, I'm not sure about this. I'm sitting there going, uh, I think this, I think this could be good. Um, but now it's kind of, for me, it was about like pay structure and, right. and, and responsibilities. And am I really like, how long is it going to take for me? And then what would you do right out, out of the gate? So, so we got there and talked about all that stuff at my house. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a, um, I think it was a, it was a, it was a job interview is what it was. It's really what it was. I mean, it was, it was the first time that we had really said, okay, this is a, re- this is something that could become a reality. And what do you bring to the table? And then on your side, what to, for me, what are you, what are you offering for that? Um, and, um, obviously it was the first time that, um, we'd ever really got into the specifics really of your business and kind of what needed to be done. Um, and kind of how, what I, how I could help. Um, and then, you know, it's just like anything else. I, I think that, um, you might not give yourself credit for it, but you're a really good negotiator, right? So you, you were framing the discussion with me about what does this role look like? How much should you get paid? And you, and then that was that discussion. I think that day where you went, you went, you told me, said, go, go find out like, what's the, what do you have to have? To, what do you have to make um, that day? Um, because you still hadn't offered me the job, but we were in the discussion around like, what is, what is this compensation package looks like? What does your day to day look like? And then you had go, go talk to your wife, take a look at your finances. What do you have to make to absolutely say, I can come work for you and I'm not going to, you know, be living, you know, 
not worrying about what my lights are going to be turned off or not. Right. Uh, but that's, you know, but a lot, but also, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not making all this extra money, but like what, what, what needs to be the bare minimum. And that way we can start somewhere around there and go from there. So, um, I remember going, I remember coming from that, that discussion and I, I came home and talked to my wife again, because, you know, of course she's, she's, she's also nervous about this, the, the, the possibility of me leaving this job that I'd worked for and tried to, you know, work my way up the chains and get a promotion here and do all this other stuff that I put four years into work in and, I'm just going to throw it away to go work for some guy that she's never met that has got, you know, you know, that's selling houses somewhere. So, uh, I remember the discussion and, you know, I, I got, you know, and I told her, I said, listen, every single time that, you know, we've, I've started a new company or we went out and I took a shot on something. Um, I'm not going to like failure. Failure is just not an option. Like it's it, it, no matter how hard it gets, we're going to keep pushing and we're going to get going. And I told her, I said, dude, I don't want to be on my, this is the way I look at this. I don't want to be on my deathbed you know, when the day comes, that's coming for all of us and look back and say, man, I played that safe, you know, or I, I would always want to, I always want to say, you know, I, I, I did everything that I possibly could to push myself and take an opportunity and just, you know, and so I might strike out. We all, we all are going to strike out at some point in time, but, it, but at least I was swinging for the, the fences and I didn't just stand there and, and watch the ball go by. Um, and, um, I feel a lot better about that, um, for myself than I would have if I would have just played it safe and done, done the safe thing. And, you know, my, my risk tolerance is probably a little higher than, than some other people, but that's, that's one thing that, you know, I've talked to a lot of people before that came to me and asked me questions about like, you know, leaving, leaving this company or doing another thing. And no one can answer that question for you. No one, no one, it's, it's got to come from, you know, inside and say, I'm looking at my life. I'm looking at where I'm at right now. I'm looking at where I want to be. And there's a series of decisions that are going to get me there. And you've got to be willing to take some of the risk. And this, this was that risk for me was, was, you know, leaving the security and uh, the pretty much, I mean, guaranteed trajectory um, up into a, um, a pretty a higher executive position with this, this larger company that I had worked for and was laying the foundation for that. I was just going to unplug from that all altogether and come work starting over again with a new company with a guy that I barely knew. So it was, uh, you know, but like I said, I, 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 I saw the same things in you that you're talking about seeing in me. And I, I told, I told Keenan, my wife, I was like, um, there's just something about this guy that is, let's legit. I know what he's saying is sincere. And, um, you know, once I got, you know, I, I, I came to your house, I, I met your wife, I met your kids. And I was just like, you know, this is, you know, and obviously like, I'm not going to lie, you know, being from a law enforcement background, I've, I've done a little bit of background checking and all that on you too. Right. So, <laughs> but the point is, is that I knew that everything you were saying um, matched up and you, and it was legit. And I could see, I can see in you where you wanted to take this and you were a guy that I knew that I wanted to work with. So um, anyway, that, that's, that's kind of the, the way I was feeling through, through that discussion. And um, now it didn't, it didn't uh, trust me, even, even after saying all those things and trying to give my wife the warm and fuzzy feelings about making this transition, it didn't, it didn't make her feel all that great about it. I think that, uh, so I think the next question, the next discussion before we get into that step was that I came back to you and said, okay, man, here's where I'm, here's where I absolutely have to be. Yeah, and, even before you did that, at that meeting that we had, you told me where you were and where you right. were going in your company. Because that's always what I ask is kind of like, what are you making right now? What, is, what does it look like for you? What, and I, got, I tried to get all the pain points out of you so you would kind of feel like, yeah, I, I have to sit in traffic for an hour and 15 minutes. I have to be away from my kids. I have to travel. Like, what does your company look like now? Where is the pain? And I treat every, even job interviews and all this stuff. And for those of you listening who are starting to hire people or, or leading people or, or, or any of those things, I try to figure out what 
Like what, what's, what's going on with you? Just like a seller. You know, we talk about going into sellers and talking to them about their situation. I wanted to find out your situation and your deal and where is the pain there and where, where is this job going to be the benefit? So what can I, when I make an offer to you, how can I structure it such that it takes a lot of that stuff away? So if traveling is really a problem for you and, and being in the car all the time, then, Hey, you can work from home. You can be with your kids. You can turn it on and turn it off as you need to. Things like that. Like really emphasizing those things when you're making a job offer or something. So if you're in that situation where you're, you're hiring somebody, it could be your first person. I mean, anybody, I always just sat down and I'm not just going to make you an offer. Just like we don't walk into a house and say, here you go. Here's your offer. We build rapport. We try to figure out what the pain is. If we can solve the pain and bring a solution, they're trading equity for ease of transaction. In this case, you were trading income for a potential future in a position in a job. And I knew that, like I knew a lifestyle was the change. So, and same thing with our money lenders. We don't just say, Hey, I'm going to give you two points and 12%. At least I don't. And if you are, you should not be, you should say, Hey, where's your money now? How much is it making? You know, what if I could do better than that? Um, you know, what, what's the struggle? You don't like the ups and downs of the stock market. I can help with a fixed return, you know, and talk about that and then find out what they want to make and find out what they're making right now and then see if it matches up with what you can offer. And if it can't, like, honestly, if Nate came back and was like, I need to make a half million dollars, then this conversation is over. You know, it's just, I'm sorry, but it doesn't work. So we're not going to go into what you were making before on the podcast and what you're making now. Um, we can save that for people like the people who are in the inside in the seven and eight figure group. They, they know a lot of that. We've told that story. I just, yeah. I just don't think it's fair for uh, me to put it out to, you know, 10, 20,000 people. So let's, we'll skip that part, but just know like for everybody that's listening, like it was a bigger number that he was making than I thought. So it put me in a position now to go, oh my gosh, what is he going to come back with? And can I afford it? You know, it put me in a position. Yeah. Even, so you came to me and said, hey, this is what I need to make. And effectively, I had a decision to make to say, you know, as a business owner, is, does this make sense? And is this the right guy? You know, because I, I didn't have an ad out. I wasn't interviewing a bunch of other people. I didn't, right. I didn't have lots of options, um, but I could tell like there was something here that I wanted to explore. So in my mind, I said, you know what? What's, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like we go two, three months down the road it's not a good fit. And we go our separate ways. But for Nate, here's the problem for Nate. And he's probably, I don't know if he's going to share this or not, but the problem for him is if he leaves his job, like, does he go crawling back in three months? So that's what I said to him. I said, are you like, I really wanted you to be sure. And that's the conversation that we had in detail was what does it look like if you leave, this doesn't work out. And then you have to go um, back and say, Hey, I want my job back or go find another job. I really need you to think about that. So anybody who's like I really saw this as a really a big decision for me to make too and really understand that, you know, and that's kind of like stewardship is one of our, our core values. And I really feel like it's important to me to bring that up and not hide it. I do the same thing with my money lenders. I do same thing with the sellers when I talk to them. It's like, have you thought this through? Is this what you want to do? And what are your, what are your options? But, you know, I just left a conference uh, last week. I just came back from it. I got back from San Diego uh, last night and there was a presentation that, that he did that said no plan B. It's like plan A with no plan B. And you know what? It really resonated with me because pretty much everything that I do, I don't have a plan B. I'm, I'm not, uh, when you have a plan B, you don't put all your effort, all your emphasis, all your focus on plan A you say, well, I can always fall back on plan B. And you know what was going through my mind as I was listening to that? 
all of the people who I come across in the real estate investment business who are saying, well, if it doesn't work, that's okay. If it doesn't work, that's okay. I'm just going to send a couple letters and try it out. I'm just going to send a couple postcards. I'm going to knock on a couple doors. It didn't work. It, it didn't work. Like, no, you, you have a plan B. And in fact, your plan B is probably stronger than your plan A and your mind and your heart. So for this, like I saw Nate, I saw him. He's, he's, this is the way he is in life. He's just like, I don't have a plan B. He's like, I love this. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. And so, so anyway, you, you gave me that number. And I said, at that point, I said, okay, I think that we can work with this. Let me see if I can get you to where you were going to be the next year with some bonus structure and some, some way to go through it. And we came up with something that, uh, I mean, I assume worked for you because you did quit your job and came and worked with me. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a it was a process, and and like I said, it was um, there, there was a lot of um, non financial benefits that the other company I was working for that I had to take into account too. Like we talked about, they had they had a car a car program. Um, there were there were there was a whole lot um, that you know I had to I had to in my mind kind of like monetize that and be able to come back to you with an area that that made sense because you know for the longest time. I, I never didn't have to make a car payment per se. It was being taken out of my salary. And now I have to worry about making that payment and doing some other stuff. So there was a lot, there was a lot of logistics behind coming back to you with that number and a lot of conversation with my wife. But so once we determined like, okay, this, by the way, this is the first time that I heard that that car payment came out of your salary. I thought that it was just a, I thought it was included. Like this car is free. Okay. Now I know, man, I, I should have negotiated a little, I should have asked a few more questions. <laughs> I didn't go deep enough into that car well, payment. It was, a, it was probably, <laughs> probably about 75% less than yeah. it would be. So, no, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just messing with you, man. No, I know. It was just, it, but it, you know, but there, were, there were a lot of those, lot of those benefits that like, you know, there's no way that a company that's essentially, you know, we're a startup could provide that, you know, a company that a large corporation like, uh, like that could. So um, anyway, at, at the end of the day, you know, came back to you and said, hey, let's do this. Uh, but, under, but before we make this decision, <laughs> my wife wants to come down and we want to, I want to eat dinner with you and your wife to kind of like solidify this and just make sure that we're all good. So, I mean, I think like, I, any decision that we make, I'm always consulting my wife and we're going to make the decision together. But I mean, I, I, I knew that at, at pretty much at all costs, even before we met, before we met for dinner, I was going to push to make this, this decision happen. Right. So, but, uh, so I called Bill and I was like, Hey, you know, things, this looks, looks, looks pretty good. Um, but my wife, uh, my wife wants to come down and meet you and, uh, and have dinner with you and with you and your wife. So, um, we, we did that. And, uh, I think the, the dinner went well. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I've never really asked you how you felt about it. Obviously you ended up hiring me. So I guess it went well, but I know my wife, my wife left the situation feeling a lot more comfortable about the, the move because, um, just putting, you know, actually putting a face with the name and the conversation and all of that, um, it may, it just kind of solidified exactly what I was telling her about you and about your family and about the situation. And, uh, we walked away from that and kind of, so we, I think you and I live about an hour and 15 minutes away. So that whole drive back home that night, she, I remember her like turning and looking at me and she was just like, you know, I think you should do it. You know, I think that this is going to be a good, this good, good move. Um, and obviously, you know, that's, you know, for guys that are married out there, you know, it's, it's, that's a large portion of what we're doing is some of the justification and the, the comfort that she has in, in my skill set to say, yes, leave all of that other stuff that you work for behind and go for this. Because I was, I was confident and I know, and still am to this day that that move was the right move at that time. And that, um, at the end of the day, uh, while I might have had to take a step back into some people's perspective, perspective to get to start with you, 
the road to success and the, the finish line is a lot farther down the road than where I would have been if I would have stayed in that other situation. So that was the ultimate you know, decision why, why you know, I decided to leave and, um, and come join you. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I, I don't think it really matters how I felt about that dinner because I knew what it was for. It was for your wife. So um, my whole goal in that dinner was to make sure that she was comfortable because I knew that I was hiring you, but I was also having to kind of win her over in, in, in to come over it for me, for my wife, for the company, just kind of my vision. Some of that week we talked about some of those things and I knew that that was important. And then uh, what we also did was right after that, so that was a December time, like November probably that we were having those conversations. Then December we had a Christmas party down in Pensacola and I knew that I needed you guys to come down there. So I hadn't told the team uh, that we were hiring a COO or anything like that. It was a big surprise. Uh, show up down at the Christmas party and they'll like, kind of announce it there. So um, I, and I knew that I wanted you and your wife to come down there and meet the staff and the people that you'd be working with and all those things to make sure that she, she saw the kind of company culture and, and who we were and, and the different people and make sure that's a, a big part of it too. So you guys came down and, and got to meet everybody. And it was just really good timing to be able to do that. And then you started around that time, like end of December, early January, and, uh, and we got off to the races. So I think now, so we spent a lot of time kind of talking about the background and and like how we, how we met each other, how we got to know each other. And it, for those of you listening, I think the biggest thing to point out here is it, I don't think that it's, um, we've been talking a lot about uh, the path that we're on and the decisions that we make and what opportunities are presented to us and when. And I don't think it's, it's not a coincidence, okay, that this happened. It's not a coincidence that Nate listened to a podcast, heard me, and then a year later after he turned this off, he turned off real estate investing, he turned it back on and there I was again. And then I answered his email and then we spoke and then he did what I asked him to do and came back to me. And we talked about this kind of partnership and what it could look like. And then I asked him a question. He took it home on the drive home and started thinking about it. His wife came down to meet my family and we have very similar core values. And then he came down to Pensacola and met the team and, and was all in and why we're so successful right now together. And over the last year and a half now, we're going to transition to talk about kind of what we did and, and what's, what's we're, what we're doing now. But okay, guys, this is not a, as I tell the story, I just see these things lining up and there's, there's something way higher than us going on here. And we, what we're doing is we're focused on um, making sure that we're seizing the opportunity that we're given each day. And you got to do that same thing is what opportunities are in front of you. What's there. Stop sitting on the sidelines, take action, go pick them up and run with them. And it's, it's just, I mean, as I sit here over these last like 30, 40 minutes and just listen to this and we replay it to, in a way that we've never done before, frankly, you and I haven't, we go so fast. We just look for yeah. the finish line and figure out yeah. how to get there. We don't sit back and look at, at how all these things came to play. And when you really kind of lay it out in this timeline, there's a lot of things that I had no idea about, but it's just amazing to hear that in kind of one sequential order of is this not chance? Okay. It's not luck. It's not chance. It's not any of those things. This is opportunity. This is somebody, you know, there's a, someone is designing this and it's not us. I'll tell you that right now. So it's amazing to hear that. So I really uh, am thankful that we got to sit down and, and do this part and kind of talk through it. And we spent the time that we did. Um, but I do want to transition to kind of what we're doing now and where we're going and, yeah. and kind of, uh, cause I think there might be some people. Um, I thought, I think all that stuff is fantastic for the people who are um, getting going. And there was a lot of things in there that were, okay, I can get started, or this is the thing that I need to do. And so 
an awesome podcast and, and structure for the beginner people. And now even the people that are maybe hiring somebody right now, it, you can take a lot of things that we're about to talk about, but for the people who are, you know, running a six or seven figure business right now, or trying to remove themselves. I want to take it to a place now where we say, okay, like, what did we do? How did we, how did we get things going for you? How, what did you do when you first came in? And then kind of what happened over this time and uh, go through that. Hey everybody. That was the first half of the interview that I did with Nate Johnson, my COO, the COO of Blackjack Real Estate. And, uh, it was, uh, it was some really cool stuff. It was nice to hear some of the things that were going on behind the scenes as we were kind of getting to know each other, some of the things that he was thinking, some of the things that he saw in, uh, in me and, and getting to know me and everything. So it was, uh, I really enjoyed this interview. And um, if you liked what you hear, heard and you want to meet Nate and see him on stage, um, we're going to be putting on an excellent event in October and Nate's going to be one of the uh, people that comes up on stage with me, we're going to do a presentation together about how to make an extra million dollars with a high performing team. And it's been incredible to watch kind of his journey and what he's done inside the company. So um, come check us out at Flip Hacking Live in October in San Diego. So October 10th through the 12th in downtown San Diego, right by the gas lamp, right across from Coronado, the Hilton Bayfront Resort. We're going to be putting on a three day event where no holds barred. We open up everything. There's nothing off limits from our businesses. We're going to show you the systems and process and procedures that we use to make, you know, millions of dollars in the real estate investment business, wholesaling and housing and wholesaling and flipping houses. And we're going to have a lot of guests that come. Um, you've heard a lot of the people on the podcast throughout this uh, last week. And um, I've got some more people that I'm going to bring to you over the next couple of weeks of guests that we're going to have at this event. So um, it's really the, the, where my main focus is. I've been working the whole year on this event and I can, I'm really excited to put it together and bring it to you guys. So um, if you want to get a ticket, go to fliphackinglive.com and uh, I assure you, you're going to get a hundred times the value of uh, the, the low cost of a ticket price and a trip out to San Diego. So October 10th through the 12th in San Diego, Hilton Bayfront Resort flippackinglive.com. Go check it out and um, tune in. Stay tuned. The second half of this interview is uh, just as good, if not better than the first. So um, I appreciate you guys hanging out with me here on the House of HQ podcast and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the House Flipping HQ podcast with Bill Allen. If you haven't gotten your tickets to Flip Hacking Live to see our guests live on stage sharing all of their systems and secrets, make sure you go to fliphackinglive.com before tickets are sold out. This is an event you can't miss. We'll see you in San Diego.